peoples of the worldwide federated internet, what's good? turning uh we're going to be in the book of exodus chapter 23 today and as i've said the last few episodes something is very clear to me um going through these uh particular verses going through this section right here it is clear to me that the protection of individual uh I'm trying to figure out how to word this individual protection is something that God focuses on in these, uh, these chapters in a book of Exodus. So individual, uh, I'm going to say individual liberty, but I'm not sure that's exactly how I want to phrase that individual protection, not necessarily fully encompasses this as well Let, let's just say let's put it this way god seeks to make sure things are equitable uh make sure things are handled right and god looks after the individual and we see that in these different laws and statutes that he's laying down in a book of exodus from exodus chapter 20 all the way here to Exodus chapter 23. And what's important about that to me is when you read a lot of these things, what you get is you get some insight into the mind of God. So you get brought into what, what God desires from people and the way God sees situations, the way God wants us to see situations. And I like that because in a lot of ways you can use this in your everyday life you can use you can use these intents and legal purposes you can use these this intent for interpersonal dealings you can use this for friendships you can use this for relationships these are principles that if carried out if followed and adhered to all of these relationships would work better so we're going to get to the book of Exodus, chapter 23. Let's get into this. Thou shalt not raise a false report, nor put thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. This idea of aligning yourself with a wicked person to bring a false report to someone is not a small matter. And this is a callback to the commandment laid down in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. Let's go back to what that says. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, the thing is, when people talk about 
that verse right there, they always, they always say, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying this is wrong. People always say, according to the commandments, you shouldn't lie. And that is correct. That is encompassed in that, in that verse is covering lying. But in specific, the, the, the specific situation it's dealing with is bearing false witness against someone, right? Like you're saying, hey, this person did X, Y, and Z, and they didn't really do that. The Bible's letting you know, hey, this is not something you should do. Now think about, think about the reasoning behind all of this. I'm not saying that I'm in the mind of God, nor am I saying that you can get in the mind of God, but we can look at these things and deduce certain things from reading these verses. Clearly, protection of the individual against a false account, a false report is something that is at the, at the, at the forefront of, of protection, something that we should think about because God saw fit to focus on this. So this is something that we should not just blow past. Thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness, right? So somebody wants you to say X, Y, and Z about someone that's not true. This is not somebody you should align yourself with. That should be obvious, right? When you look at a lot of these things, it's like, yeah, that's clearly, this is not something you want to do. You would be surprised at how many people would justify doing such a thing and not really think twice about it. Okay, this is this is going to like I said these verses I'm, I'm going to slow it down. I'm not going to cover a whole bunch of verses because there was so much in here that is relative to today's society that it was actually like, man, I need to slow down. So I was taking notes. And so far through the book of Exodus, I've been taking notes and kind of moving a little fast, getting past some things. But as I got here, I was like, yo, I need to slow down right here. There's a lot here. Verse two, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. This is why I stay away from, I'm trying to figure out how to word this crowd, crowd movements, right? I, I, I try to think through things as much as possible. I try to stay away from crowd movements because I don't want my judgment clouded by the fact that I'm with a large group. And because I'm with this large group, I assume that we are correct. So that word, that word rest used there at the end of this verse means to twist or extort by violence, to pull or force by violent uh, warring or ringing or twisting to take or force from by violence to distort 
to turn from truth or twist from its natural meaning by violence to pervert. Perverting judgment, twisting judgment to lean toward a certain way. Definitely something that's that's done today. There's so many arguments that people can tort and twist and stretch the truth. They lie in order to get push or pull in certain directions for whatever, you know, their respective point is. And this is not something that those of us who proclaim to trust the most high God of heaven and earth, those of us who have claimed to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, this is definitely something we should stay away from. Now you have to remember that. Okay. So these, these laws and statutes, he's talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to the Hebrews. He's dealing with interpersonal dealings between them and the nations around them. But you have to understand God does not change. The intent behind what we see here is really what you should be focusing on. Why is God doing this? Right. This this would this would prevent what I call crowd justice. Everybody in a crowd is is yelling and screaming that this certain thing should be done. And God is telling them, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. This is why when when large crowds get together to do certain things, I'm always skeptical. I just want to know what's the intent, what we doing here, what's the focus, because I don't want to get so wrapped up into this crowd that I lose sight of what actually is going on, because what happens when I follow them into something that, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> this is definitely not something I should be engaging in. That happens a lot. Right. And and to go further on that, he talks about twisting things and perverting judgment, resting judgment. There is so much of this that has gone on. I could go to, to so many topics specifically, but that would be a whole nother podcast. Suffice it to say, if you got to if you got to wrestle, stretch, pull and push to get to this point, you probably want to sit back and go, all right, am I perverting the truth? Am I twisting this? Because that's something that I really need to analyze. Uh, verse three, neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. So what is countenance? Countenance means, especially in this context, to favor, to encourage by opinion or words Again, God looking after the rights of the individual just because it's a poor man does not mean we should jump to his aid because he's poor and automatically believe what he says. Right. In this, everybody's equal. We're supposed to do this without partiality. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to two verses. Uh, First Timothy chapter five in verse 21, the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, 
doing nothing by partiality. This is the same concept that was there in the book of Exodus, doing things with partiality. This is not how things are supposed to be done. We find this phrase again, uh, where I'm at in the book of James chapter three, verse 17, James three and verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above, this is wisdom that's from God is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is exactly what they're being warned about in the book of Exodus chapter 23, right? You, you can't be jumping with a crowd to do something that's evil. You can't twist judgment. Don't twist words and don't just jump to the cause of a poor man just for the sake of him being poor. And you're automatically going to support him. A person being poor and destitute doesn't mean that they're right and or correct. These things have to be judged rightly and without partiality. Verse four, if thou meet thine enemy, thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. This is your enemy. You see one of his livestock going astray. In our estimation, going going on the flesh, we would think, yo, I'm going to kill this thing. This is my enemy. God is telling them that is not what you're supposed to do. Now, here's what's interesting. Now, I'm going to get into a little bit of inside baseball. Many people criticize God and falsely charge God. And how they do it is they always go to, well, God sent the children of Israel into this place to go to war and they slaughtered all these people and they did this on his instruction. You have to understand there's more to these these accounts than the critics normally blast out. But because they single out accounts without taking in effect the whole account, they just single out certain parts of the account. Everything else is negated. Take the whole Bible, take the whole account. Look at what God is saying here. It, God has given instructions on even how to treat their enemies. So that has to bring your mind back and go, okay, so why did God really send the children of Israel into these different places? And why did they really go to war? And why did they really slaughter these? But what's the real reason that needs to be unpacked? Verse five, if thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him again. You're helping the very person who hates you. As the Lord Jesus Christ said on these two commandments, the two greatest commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you can clearly see if you love your neighbor as yourself, would you even have to be instructed on any of these issues right here? And the answer is you wouldn't. These things would be second nature. They, they, I mean, they would come 
without anyone being forced to tell you anything. You would need any instruction toward this end. All right. Thou shalt not rest the judgment of the poor in his cause. Again, we know what that, that word rest means in this context. You shouldn't twist and contort judgment. This is where I would say humans as a society, we fall short the most. I'm not talking about humans as individuals, humans as a society. This is where we fall short the most as a society, because when it comes to the poor, we see it. This is not just in America. This is in all the countries on a planet. Look at what rich people can get away with and look at how people who are destitute, who are poor, who might not have the financial resources as other people are buried by the legal system. For no good reason. That is resting the judgment of the poor in his cause. Verse seven, keep thee far from a false matter and the innocent and righteous slay thou not for I will not justify the wicked. Again, this is another area where human legal systems fall completely, completely and utterly short. I will say the way the United States was set up initially, it was to protect against this. But humans doing what humans do, we devolve. We, we like to believe we are evolutionary creatures. And I beg to differ. I think we are very. I, I think we devolve more than we evolve. We just have this pious uh, idea of ourselves and we think we are so high and mighty and we evolve and we always improve. No, in a lot of ways we go backwards and devolve. Verse eight. And thou shalt take no gift for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. This is one of the reasons why I am 100% against lobbyists and I think it should be illegal. When people give gifts, you're beholden to the person who gave you this gift. I think both lobbyists and political donations should be illegal. Personally, I believe people who run for office, this, this should be, this should be a process that's free from money, right? You run for office, run your campaign, make your ads. We'll give equal time to all of the ads for people to see what your message is and what you have to say. Businesses, corporations, uh, people of major wealth, no more donations. People are going to run on their own merit. I think that's how this should be because the Bible gives, look, God, God is dropping gems. God has given us wisdom beyond our comprehension. And if we would listen, we would be so much better off. But we, as people, we believe and think we know so much more than God. We really do. We believe we have it all figured out. We believe we can do this way better. Oh, this archaic Bible. We don't need that. These, these are such simple ideas 
and it's clear to see if we follow these ideas in our public practice, right? And in our public practice, not necessarily as individuals, but as a society, man, how much better off would we be? A lot better off. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty, people.